The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. How do you know what difference your life will make right now? The truth is, many of us, we want to do things that really make a difference. I mean, I think especially right now, we wanna know that the way we're living, what we're doing, it's making a difference, but how do you know what difference your life will make. The reality is we don't. There are a lot of people who they set out on one course and they want their life to make a particular difference, but they'll never know that the, that the difference they thought their life was gonna make had the exact opposite result. I mean, I can think of multiple examples. The guy who invented dynamite, those that, you know, the Manhattan Project where they were working on the atomic bomb, right? They thought they were doing something really good only to create something that had a very negative result. And so some of them had the privilege late in life to discover that all of their life was spent doing something the opposite of what they hoped for. So the point is, what difference is your life making when you can't really know what difference your life will make until it's too late to probably change almost anything about the course of your life. And let me ask you another question, maybe now that I've got you chewing on that one. um, What if your wildest dreams were fulfilled? What you've been hoping to do, what you've been living to accomplish, what you've been dreaming about and thinking about, what if your wildest dreams came true? Would they give you what you hoped and would you become what you really thought you would become? Meaning, are your dreams worth living? Are they worth pursuing? You ever realize, maybe paying attention to the people around you that it is our successes, not our failures, that are the greatest test to our character? It is gonna be our victories, not our defeats, that reveal what's really most deeply growing inside of us. If you really wanna test someone, you don't need to beat them down, embarrass them, or humiliate them. Give them a little success and see what they do with it. It's our successes, not our failures, that will be our greatest test because, because success, getting a little bit of your dreams lived out, accomplishing something, It gives you an opportunity to begin to lean into that success. And what you discover is that many people in the pursuit of success and winning and achieving, they begin to become arrogant. They begin to think a lot of themselves. They're like, look at me, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished. And as a result, we can allow a greater level of pride and selfishness and self-serving agendas to fill our lives. So, I'll just share this story with you guys. Um, Several years ago, I was struggling. I was in full-time ministry. I was on staff at a church and just felt frustrated. And more than frustrated, I, I felt like a failure. Like what I was doing wasn't working quite the way I had hoped. And I had a lot of dreams and ambition in ministry. And when I looked at what everything I was doing, it wasn't quite accomplishing what I thought it should accomplish. And I can just remember I did what, you know, probably what you should do. I spent some time in prayer and I was laying down on my living room floor praying and just kind of whining, telling God all the things that I thought was wrong with you know, I was working hard and I wasn't quite getting the accomplishments I thought I should and achieving what I thought should be done. 
And I can remember God just whispering in my ear, and I don't know how God speaks to you. In fact, uh, later this uh, fall, I'm going to do a series on how to hear from God. But this was one of those moments where I felt like I really heard from God somewhere deep in my heart. And I, I felt like God just whispered in my ear, Patrick, do you believe I could do something great with your life? And man, wouldn't you, I mean, that's what you all want to hear in your prayer time, right? Like, I got the one answer that everybody wants. Like, Patrick, do you believe I could do something great with your life? But in that moment, it felt like salt on a wound because I was nursing my failures. I was feeling the frustration. And so I didn't feel like it was an encouragement. I felt like it was an insult, like God himself was slapping me upside the head and calling out my failures. And so I responded very honestly in prayer. I said, no, God, I really don't think you can do something great with my life. And I say that because over the years, um, I've had people come to me and we, you know, something our church does or something significant happens in our, through our ministry or people's lives are being impacted and somebody will come to me. I've, I've had this happen many times. And they'll say, man, Patrick, wasn't that amazing? Like, look what God's doing. And, and then they always feel like this need to disclaim with like, man, just don't let it go to your head. And I always chuckle. And I always try to be very polite, but in my, in my head. So, this, so now you know, this is what I'm thinking. You don't know me. You, you clearly don't know me because and you don't know me, and as a result, you don't know what I've been through. Because if you knew what I've been through, you know it wouldn't go to my head. Because every time I see it, anything I see happening in our church, any impact I see, any life change, most of the time, the moment I start thinking about the success, I'm immediately back in the living room, laying on the floor, face down in prayer, hearing God say, Patrick, do you believe I could do something great with your life? And my response was, no, God, I really don't. See, I know who I am. I know where I've been. I know what I've wrestled through. And, and we all get these moments. And for me, that was a turning point moment in my life. It was a defining moment. And so through this series, The Struggle is Real, we're talking about things that we struggle with in order to get where we most want to go. And so I want to bring you to another one of those struggles. It was a struggle for me laying on the floor. And I'm going to talk with you a little bit about what I was really struggling with. And what most of us struggle with, and there's a gap between where we are and where we want to be, what we want to accomplish, what we want to achieve, the dreams we want to live. And in that gap is where God is at work. And, and so I want to bring you to an individual. We've been talking about Joshua. Joshua is this individual who takes over leadership from this powerful national leader, Moses, whom God used to, to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery and into freedom. He, he's the one that God used to divide the Red Sea and the people marched across. They, were, you know, they escaped from the attacking Egyptian army and then God used Moses to give them the Ten Commandments and all of the laws and establish a worship in the nation. And Moses was this powerful leader and Joshua apprenticed under Moses for 40 years. And then it got to the point where Moses died. And Joshua was handed the leadership of a nation. And his job was to lead the people into the promised land. I mean, to live the dreams, to do great things. And so here they are. The nation of Israel is right at the, at the cusp of living the destiny of God, pursuing the promises of God, and literally the promised land. 
and Joshua has taken on this leadership, he's just stepping into this, into living out his greatest dreams. And I'm gonna bring you to a story. It's a turning point story in the life of Joshua. You could say this is a defining moment in his story. Maybe I could relate to a little bit like, you know, my story is, is tiny, but it was a defining moment for me. And so I'm gonna bring you to the story. It's set in the book of Joshua, uh, way back in ancient times in the Bible, and the Bible records it. So here we go. Now, Joshua was near Jericho. He looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him. Now, I gotta pause here. So he's near Jericho. Jericho is the first city that they've come to as they begin to invade the promised land. So this is literally gonna be their first battle. This is his first moment where Joshua is going to lead the people into battle to take the promises of God. This is kind of like your first day at work. This is your first big project. This is your, you know, maybe you've been training and you've been, you've been uh, practicing in sports and this is your first, you know, in dance, it's your first recital and in baseball, it's your first game that you're going to pitch. I mean, you're on this, you're on the starting lineup. This is your first big moment. So here he is. They're near Jericho. He looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us? Are you for our enemies? And interestingly, you and I ask the same question to nearly everyone in every situation we face, especially when we're on the front end of living our dreams and pursuing our passions. When you're, when you're getting ready, when you're stepping in, here's what you're evaluating. You look at, any, you look at anyone and everyone as, are they gonna help me or are they gonna hurt me? Are they, are they gonna hold me back or are they gonna help me get where I'm going? And we evaluate most people we meet. And as a result, we brush people off. We treat them as having no value because we don't think they're gonna help us get where we're trying to go. On the other hand, we treat some people as very significant because we believe that they hold some of the keys to us accomplishing what we're, try, what we're trying to accomplish. And so we try to use people and take advantage of people or manipulate them, believing that they can help us get where we're going. And as a result, we evaluate situations. Will this help me or hurt me? In just a moment, Joshua's gonna discover that this warrior is God in human form. Some scholars believe that this would have been Jesus pre-incarnate, meaning before he showed up in Bethlehem, he showed up a thousand years earlier to Joshua. And even Joshua asks God himself, are you for me or are you against me? Are you for us or are you against us? Now this makes sense as a, the commanding officer over a nation and leading an army into battle, you see some, a great warrior with a sword in your hand, you're gonna ask him, are you for us or against us? And so I get it. Many of us evaluate most situations. How are you gonna help me or hurt me? And the challenge is, it's a very egocentric focus. It's about me, what I want, what I'm trying to achieve, what I'm trying to accomplish. And, we're, and some will even use God and say, how is God helping or hurting me accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish? The very next verse really gets to the heart of the story. This is Joshua's turning point. Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, 
What message does my Lord have for his servant? In this moment, Joshua is confronted. He comes face to face with God himself. And this moment becomes a defining moment because he is challenged to decide whether he is gonna to try to use God to, and write God into his story or he is willing to become part of God's story. Is he gonna use God or is he gonna allow God to use him. And so the principle here, which has got to jump out of the story, and it applies to every one of us, when there is a gap between where you are and where you're trying to go, and I would imagine that for every one of you, there is a gap between where you are and what you're hoping to accomplish, what you're hoping to earn, what you're hoping to achieve, the relationship you're hoping to enjoy. Whenever there's a gap between where you are and where you're hoping to go, there is a principle. The principle is this, it's humility before victory. For Joshua, his, this moment was humility comes before victory. In that relationship that you're hoping, to, you're hoping to enjoy, it will be humility before the victory of enjoying that relationship. In your education, in the workplace, in your home, in the classroom, whenever there's a gap between where you are and where you're trying to go, what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to enjoy. The path to getting there it will always be humility before victory. See, the problem is this, and I started this way. What difference will you make when you can't know what difference you'll make, and even if you do find out, it'll be too late to change the course of your life, right? Here's the, re here's the problem with that. There are so many people who thought they were doing the right thing only to find out that it was the wrong thing. And you and I have had the same experience. Maybe you were trying to do the wrong thing and it didn't work out. Or you, you wanted to say the right thing and it came out wrong. Why is that? Because there is a sabotaging force, a spiritual force that lives inside of every one of us that corrupts our desires and pollutes our best intentions. It's a spiritual force called sin and sin lives inside of every one of us. And so as a result, you can aim your life in a direction. You could start pursuing a dream that you thought was good and best only to get almost all the way there and to discover that you corrupted it yourself. And even if you didn't corrupt it, others corrupted it, manipulated it, and the end result was something very different than what you hoped for. So now you and I could all throw our hands up in the air Go, well, the man, it's not even worth trying. And, and you could just kind of throw your hands in the air with life. And I want to challenge you that there is a way to pursue humility that leads to victory so that you can know what outcome your life can have. And the answer lies in what happened to Joshua. Here's Joshua's experience. He's on his way to leading his nation, to conquer a land, to pursue the promises of God, but God had to stop him on the way to confront him, to keep him from doing it for his own pride, for his own ego, for his own desires. And so it required him to be humbled. And as I shared, he meets the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus stops him in his tracks to change the course of his heart. And Jesus 
is stopping every one of us in our tracks to change the course of every one of our hearts. What did Jesus do? When Jesus came, he came to take on the fight we have with sin. This sabotaging force that stirs pride and ego and selfishness. And Jesus took the suffering of sin on himself. The guilt and the shame. The regret that we all carry, Jesus put it on himself. But Jesus didn't just take sin. He took the the ultimate consequence of sin, which is not just death, but eternal judgment. And Jesus put it on himself. So that when he died, he died once for all. I mean, what an expression of humility that God would become a man to step into our place, to take on our fight with sin, and then to die in our place. So when you, when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, we believe that we are forgiven, sin and guilt removed, but not only are we forgiven, but we are given new life because Jesus rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he conquered the power of sin. He freed us from the fear of death and he freed us from eternal judgment so that when we believe in Jesus by faith, we're forever changed and we're given forever life. And so if that's where you're at right now, can I encourage you? Would you make that commitment? Would you let us know? Look, I realize that for every one of you, this is a, this is a big step. Can I encourage you? Would, you? would you make a commitment to say yes to Jesus? And if you're saying yes to Jesus, would you let us know? Just shoot the name Jesus in a text to the number 41411, and we will follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with Jesus. Here's what I know, that when you and I, say yes to Jesus. It's a turning moment in our life, like it was for me, where I, I was in prayer and, and I'm confronted. Patrick, do you believe I can do something great with your life? No, God, I feel like a failure. I wanted to do something great. I wanted to accomplish something great, but now, God, I feel like it can't be done. And Joshua, man, he's on his way to doing great things and Jesus has to, uh, God has to stop him. And Joshua has to fall face down in order to change his heart so he changes the course of his life. So let's jump back into this story. And let's hear how when we, when we are confronted face-to-face with God himself, how that can change the course of our life. Let, let's jump back in to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Why would I say that that makes a difference? Well, because when, you, when Joshua fell face down, what he was acknowledging was that he was not the one in charge. Right? All, up to this point, he has now taken over leadership of the nation. When, a, when another officer comes to him, he would have knelt down and bowed before Joshua and said, what, what orders do you have for me? Now Joshua is falling face down before this great warrior, and he's saying, what orders do you have for me? The key is this. Humility is submitting to God's authority. Whose authority are you submitting to? I would say for most of us, we submit to our own authority. It's about what I want, what I'm trying to achieve, what I'm trying to get out of life. But in humility, we submit to God's authority. Look what Joshua does. He falls face down, 
And he says, what message do you have? What orders do you have? In this moment, there is a transfer. Joshua sees himself as the commanding officer over the armies of the nation of Israel. But then he's confronted by someone who's, who's a warrior with a drawn sword. Who's, and Joshua's looking, he says, are you for us or against us? He goes, I'm neither. And maybe just a quick pause, a little timeout, parenthetical statement for all of you caught up in pandemic news and politics. And you're saying, is God for my president of choice or against him? Is he for masks or against it? Is God for us as a nation or against us? And God's looking at you, neither, neither. It's not that God is not for Donald Trump or for Biden or whoever. It's God saying, no, no, no. It's not about am I for you? Am I gonna let you write me into your story? It's will you allow me to write you into my story. It's, it's neither. We don't get to manipulate God. It's are we willing to submit our politics <clears throat> under God? Are we willing to submit our fears under God? Are we willing to submit all of our, our attitudes about the pandemic and the economy and racial tensions under God? Whose authority? Who's got the ultimate say? Who, who's in charge? So Joshua is confronted by the commanding officer of the armies of heaven. And he falls face down. He goes, okay, I'm outranked. You're in charge. It's your way. It's what you want, God. And suddenly he realizes his position was from God. His authority was from God, his power, his armies from God. At some point, you and I, we have to be confronted with the question of who is the commanding officer in our life? Who's the CEO of your home? Who's the CFO of your finances? Who's in charge of your relationship, of your marriage, of your dating relationship? Who's, who's the CEO of your attitude? of your responses, of your future. At some point, you and I have to be willing to fall face down in humility and say, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want. I'm surrendered. But what you don't realize is that that moment when you thought that you were giving it up, what you were really doing was giving it to God. You thought you were giving away your dreams, but really you were giving God your dreams so that he could give you his dreams for your life. In that moment, Joshua was giving up his ego, his pride, his leadership, his authority to gain the leadership and the authority of heaven. He was saying, God, no longer is this about having God for us or against us, but us saying, God, we will be for you. The battle is the Lord's. This nation is the Lord's. I know for me, here's what I do. I want to give my vote to the Lord. I want to give my finances to the Lord, my marriage to the Lord, my parenting to the Lord, my, my attitudes, my hurts, my fears to the Lord. I want him to be the commanding officer of my heart. And this isn't some passive falling down, resigning yourself. God, whatever you want. No, God, whatever you want me to do. 
In fact, that's where the story continues. Let's jump back in. The commander of the Lord's army replied. Remember, Joshua falls face down. He says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Joshua recognizes his place. And so he said, so now the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, which was a tremendous statement of humility and surrender and obedience. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And the, and the line I really want you to pull out of this is the statement, and Joshua did so. Joshua did what he was commanded. He, he, he understands authority. He, he understands giving orders. And now he's given an order and he could have rebelled against the authority of God. If I had to give you one statement in your life that would change everything is put your name in there. And Patrick did so. And then you say your name. You, in fact, I'm going to give you all a moment. And you say your name, did so. Y'all not doing this with me. When you say it out loud. <laughs> Online, you're going to join us. You're, gonna, you're at our campuses. And say your name, did so. There you go. I know from my life, from that moment, here's where that moment changed me. From that moment on, I recognized that it was about what God wanted to do through my life. And I became a person who just said, and Patrick did so. Here is my moment. Um, when I said, no, God, I don't really think you could do something great with my life. I almost felt like God was correcting me. Patrick, you're not questioning yourself or doubting yourself. You're questioning and doubting me. And I, I pulled back in prayer. God, do whatever you want with my life. If you choose to do something great with my life, let it be. If you choose to do something insignificant with my life, let it be. Whatever you want. And Patrick did so. My attitude is, God, whatever you want to do in my life, that's it. And the lesson I want you to learn is this. Humility is the opposite of our instinct. Our instinct challenges us to do a lot of things and to make much of ourselves. And to, to, if we feel beat down and frustrated, then we want to throw our hands up in the air and give up and whine about it. If, if we think that we have a dream that's worth pursuing, then we want to make it about ourselves and we want to achieve and accomplish. And when we do it, we want to make sure everybody knows we did it. Humility is doing God's will, God's way. Let me be clear. You can do God's will your way. Meaning you can aim in the right direction, but try to get there your own way. And the end result will be very far from what God was trying to accomplish. You can also be determined to do your will your way. Humility is bowing before God saying, God, it's your will, your way. Which means you've got to be willing to wait on God. Not just a passive waiting, an active waiting. The way a waiter or a waitress waits on you at a restaurant. They're actively waiting on you. When you and I learn in humility, to pursue God's will, God's way, we actively wait on God. God, what can I do for you now? How can I serve you now? And when God says, gives us an order, we see, I think maybe we can all learn something from Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. 
And I, I want to challenge you that maybe when you hear from God, maybe when you read something in the Bible that makes you uncomfortable, maybe you've been given a bad attitude or maybe you've been saying something harsh and you read something in Ephesians about not using coarse language but speaking things that build up and edify, I, I want your response to be, ooh, my pleasure, God, what you want. And Patrick did so. And you did so. We just make it our mission to say, God's will, God's way. So I'm gonna, in this story, God gives Joshua a crazy battle strategy. The battle strategy was to put the worship team out in front of the army, march around the city of Jericho one time each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, the worship team was supposed to lead the way and they were gonna march around seven times. And when they got the seventh time, the trumpeters were gonna trumpet really loud and, and the people on the instruments were gonna strum the instruments really loud and that was gonna give them a victory. And Joshua had already said, whatever message you have, even though the battle strategy seemed absurd. <laughs> when your instinct goes against what God's telling you to do, he's challenging your pride because you think you have it figured out and you think that your ways will get you to where God wants you to go. And so when your instinct goes against God's way, you've got to walk in humility and acknowledge and affirm the pathway of God. And so Joshua yielded the battle strategy to God and God won them a great victory. And what will bring about the victories of God in your life is the humility to say, God, this isn't about me. This is about submitting to your authority and because I'm submitted to your authority I'm going to say and Patrick did so and you're going to put your name in there and you're going to follow God's will God's way what in your heart right now is God asking you to submit to him Maybe there are some things that you know in your heart. You've, you've read it in the Bible. You've heard it preached. Maybe you've been challenged by the Holy Spirit and you're still holding on to that because you're trying to do it your way. And right now you gotta let go and you gotta bow down, face down before the Lord and say, God, what message do you have for me? And then when you hear that message and that message goes against your instinct, you gotta be willing to recognize that humility is doing the opposite of your instinct by following God's will, God's way. For some of you, that first moment is gonna be saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus is the most beautiful experience of your life. It'll be your turning point experience, but it's also a moment of humility. Recognizing I can't rescue myself. For those of you that have said yes to Jesus, humility is not thinking less of yourself, beating yourself down. It's just thinking about yourself less and thinking more of God. What God wants and how I can please God. How I can obey God. So I'm gonna pray over you. And then I'm gonna invite you to take this next moment, you to pray and you to allow God to speak to your heart in those areas where you need to yield in humility to God's authority. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to face our fight with sin. You faced down sin and death and eternal judgment for us and you gave us new life. So for anyone that believes in Jesus by faith, there is a, there's a living water inside of them, a, a gushing new life coming out of them. And God, that new life is filled with destiny and purpose, a life worth living. But God, we don't want to live a life worth living without you. 
And the only way we're gonna live that life is in humility and surrender to your authority, saying yes to your will, your way. So God, right now we yield our homes, our relationships, our finances, our fears, our doubts. We're, we're yielding businesses and careers, education. We're yielding it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.